Good evening and welcome to the Monday edition of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandonga Kumalo. It's episode 215 of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, you have missed out on quite a lot of amazing episodes that we have brought to your screens. So do make sure that you go to our Facebook or YouTube page and catch up on all the great episodes. Now to our regular viewers, welcome back to the show where we tackle hot property topics every single weekday at 7 p.m. with myself, Uzamandungwa Kumalo, and every evening I get to speak to an expert who helps us better navigate our property journey. Now, it doesn't matter where you are in your property journey, whether you're renting, you're looking to buy, you're looking to sell, perhaps you're even looking to build. It really doesn't matter where you are. This is a show that you want to make sure you tune into to learn a little bit more about property so your best place to make the best decisions on what to do next. Now, this evening, we're going to be tackling something that uh, a lot of us typically don't know about, uh, especially when you start living in a lot of community schemes. And, and I know we've been talking a lot about community schemes, and I constantly keep saying one of the really crucial things about community scheme living is getting to grips with you know, what it means to live in a community scheme and really the different things that we ought to know um, when it comes to who's responsible for what, who should be doing what, uh, in the event where there's conflict, what are some of the best ways to go about resolving that conflict? Because I think more often than not, we tend to not know where we, uh, you know, where we can go, especially to access help once we start, um, you know, experiencing a few issues. And of course, that topic is revisiting the community schemes ombud service i know we've spoken about it before but it really it, it, it actually is quite broad and i was even saying to my guests you know off air that one of the big things with the with the service of the community scheme ombud is that firstly not a lot of us know about um you know csos as it's mostly known if you live in a community scheme you typically see that CSOS amount being billed to you every single month and you don't really know what it's for, well, we're going to be tackling just that this evening. But before we get into it, you know how I never come alone. One of the great things about private property and of course our social media pages is that you're able to tune into a whole host of other shows besides this one. Now, as you know, we have uh, changed things up just slightly. Chad now comes to your screens every Monday and Friday. Friday. Uh, that is at 8 p.m. And of course, he brings you the Home Shoppers Show. So if you are on the market for a new property, well, that is the show that you want to make sure you watch. So just after this show this evening, make sure to tune into chat at 8 p.m. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Umbalino, an award-winning farmer, brings you the Farming Podcast, where she tackles all things agriculture. So if you've got green fingers, then that is the show for you you and it doesn't really matter where in the agricultural value chain you see yourself going into that show will cater to all of your agri needs and on wednesday we also don't leave you alone on wednesday evening at 8 p.m fc Carson brings you the uh, first time home buyer show where she gets to be in conversation with owners who have walked to the first time home buying uh, journey and they share some of the experience of buying their first property, some of the lessons that they learned, some of the mistakes that they made and mistakes that they've subsequently learned from. So if you want to uh, you know, get a sense of how other people have navigated their first time home buying journey, then do make sure that you tune into SC Classen on Wednesday at 8 p.m. And of course, if you want to also be featured on the first time home 
by show, then make sure that you slide into our DMs and Esti, uh, as well as the team, will get in touch with you to see if we can have you share your first time home buying experience with us. Now, we absolutely love hearing from you, of course, on our social media platforms. So do make sure that you follow us across uh, social media platforms from your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram, as well as on YouTube, where we bring you the best property content uh, that will help you on your property journey. You can also follow myself on Twitter as well as on Instagram at Zamandongwa underscore K. Now, one of the other great things that you know we absolutely love here on Private Property is, of course, doing giveaways. We are on week eight of our Sherlock Holmes hunt, and we have a new clue. Uh, I think this one might be slightly easy, and maybe it's because I, I understand the clue slightly, uh, so it, it doesn't seem as you know, far off. And of course, if you haven't heard about the competition, all you have to do is to go into our website, that's www.privateproperty.co.za and enter the Sherlock Holmes hunt. We want to see you playing detective and cracking the riddle. Now, the riddle for the eighth week of the Sherlock Holmes uh, hunt is Deng's Lakes of Silver. You can clean six people all at once. Your helpers are part of the family at the Slumbardi's estate. And that is riddle for the eighth week of this Sherlock Holmes hunt. All the best to you at home if you're going to be entering. And why enter? Well, you stand a chance of winning 5,000 Rand voucher on Friday. And of course, we will be announcing that winner live here on air. And because we love giveaways so much, just by virtue of uh, applying, you can also stand a chance of walking away with 500 rands on Wednesday and on Thursday, where we do a lucky draw. And in order for you to claim that money, you need to make sure that you are watching us alive so you can drop us a text to let us know that you are watching. Well, to get started with our topic this evening, as I was saying, is all things uh, community scheme ombud service. I'm joined this evening by Oren Freta de Santos, who's a founder and director at the advisory. Oren, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's always such a pleasure to have you on the show. Good evening, Zama. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. You know, Oren, we were talking off air, and I think one of the best places that I want us to actually start, because there are people who've obviously probably heard us talk a little bit about uh, CSOS and their viewers who are watching us for the first time who might not, you know, know what CSOS is. Perhaps let's start with, you know, what exactly is CSOS and the work that they do? Hmm. Yeah, so they, they always, or at least I always come across people that, that have some confusion around what CSOS is, what it does, what's expected of it. Um, and it's, it's always an easy answer because one always just refers them back to the Community Schemes Ombud Services Act in terms of which the CSOS was established. Um, and, and, and that gives a, a, a clear indication of what the mandate is of CSOS, what its powers are, and what it's entitled to do in respect of community schemes. The CSOS was established um, on the 7th of October, 2016, and it was effectively created given the, the increasing need for regulation of community schemes in general in South Africa, because South Africa has the, the, the fourth largest concentration of community schemes in the world. And in 2015, at the time when, when CSOS was in the making, there was a, a asset value of 800 million, oh, sorry, 800 billion rand 
um, accumulated in community schemes. So there's definitely a need to regulate this space. And, and given the complexities in, involved in community schemes and the different types of community schemes, so for instance, your sectional title schemes, your homeowners associations, your share blocks, there's a, a very important um, need to have well-regulated uh, well and well-regulated um, people involved in that space to, to ensure that the community schemes are correctly um, governed. Mm. And, and now, Orin, when we then look at um, why somebody would sort of use the services of uh, you know, CSOS, perhaps take us through uh, some of the reasons why somebody may find themselves either going to CSOS or needing to go to CSOS, because some people may probably not know that uh, they are now at the stage of their, the issue that they're currently facing where CSOS is probably the next best uh, step in trying to resolve whatever conflict they're in the middle of. So like we discussed uh, off air, um, this, this is a discussion that, that regarding CSOS that could, could carry on for, for days. Um, so we, we need to try and, and just home into um, specifics for tonight, but I, I just want to make a general statement regarding um, CSOS and, and, and what it can be used for. And it, I, I guess it all depends on which hat you're wearing. If you're wearing the hat of a trustee or a managing agent in your community scheme, your engagement with CSOS primarily will be the registration of your scheme with CSOS, the collection of CSOS levies from your members and, the, and, and paying that over to CSOS. And then also importantly, each time that, that the um, governance documentation of your scheme um, are amended, that needs to be filed with CSOS and your annual returns are filed with CSOS. So from, from a scheme government's point of view, that's, that's your interaction with CSOS mostly. And then the other hat that you would wear, obviously, is your, as your homeowner hat. And, and your involvement or engagement with CSOS will primarily be around dispute resolution. And specifically, if you have a dispute which affects you in your community scheme, you are entitled in terms of the, of the CSOS Act to make an application to CSOS. And CSOS will then involve itself in that application, either to to conciliate the issue or eventually adjudicate the issue. And, and maybe, Oren, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the dispute resolution, because as you're pointing out that uh, you would typically probably have a particular dispute in your community scheme, perhaps take us through then CSOS's you know, dispute resolution process. Um, mm. And a bit later, I actually want us to also look at the, the common disputes that one would typically uh, bring to CSOS so that CSOS would typically deal with. Okay. So... So the purpose of CSOS's dispute resolution uh, mechanism was to provide an effective and cost-efficient way to resolve disputes in community schemes in order to minimise the burden placed on our normal civil courts to deal with these matters. And the idea behind it is that an adjudicator, or at least a panel of adjudicators, will be appointed by the, by the ombud um, there are currently three regional offices of the CSOS in South Africa. So those three regional offices will have jurisdiction over their respective areas. And they will then have adjudicators appointed. And eventually, once an application is, is submitted to CSOS, and we can discuss the details in a second, but once it's submitted, it goes through a quite a, 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 long, a lengthy process 
and eventually it ends up with an adjudicator who will adjudicate the matter and issue an order. And that order will typically be um, effective as if it were a high court order, depending on the jurisdiction of the order. But it, but before getting to that point, there's there's a process that needs to be followed. So firstly, if you have a, dis- a dispute in your in your community scheme, you f- the first and foremost need to try and resolve that dispute internally. That's a that's a that's a requirement that CSOS does impose on applicate on applications before um, entertaining the application. So resolving your dispute internally would would include engaging with either the trustees or the managing agent or your neighbour, whoever it is that you have the dispute with, and and ha- having a reasonable attempt to resolve that dispute. Now, if, if you've carried out all reasonable steps to resolve the dispute, you are then um, able to approach CSOS. You make your application to CSOS, you, you are required to pay a 50 rand application fee. Appli- the CSOS will then consider your application and they will submit the application to the respondent in order for them to respond. Once they've responded, you're then entitled to reply there too. And then the pleadings close in the matter and the matter gets referred to a conciliator. The conciliator will ask the parties to meet. During lockdown, it's either telephonically or over Zoom. In the past, it would have been at CSOS's offices. But in any event, they would ask the parties to meet and just have a general discussion regarding a possible settlement to see if they can find common ground to resolve the dispute. Now, CSOS's mandate is to try and resolve disputes at concil- to, to resolve most disputes at conciliation if possible. And typically this, this does happen. About 67% of, of matters are resolved at conciliation stage. However, if if conciliation does fail, the next step would be for for the applicant to pay an 100 rand adjudication fee and the matter gets referred to an adjudicator. Now, typically at an adjudication, the parties are not entitled to legal representation, so they would be there in their own capacity. And before lockdown, the hearings would have taken place in person at the respective CSOS offices in front of the adjudicator. The adjudicator would then allow each party to, to present their own evidence and he would ask questions and, and, and if there's any witnesses involved, he would ask witnesses questions and conclude the matter and eventually issue an order. During lockdown, however, there's obviously no hearings, so the matters are heard on the papers. So either part, or both parties are invited to submit heads of argument. Once they've submitted their heads of argument, the adjudicator deals with the matter on the papers and issues his order. So that's the process in a nutshell of, of how, how to actually approach CSOS and, and how, how that matter runs. Now, in a perfect world, CSOS wants that entire process to take 90 days from the date of application to the issuing of the order. And that is their, their goal that they've set themselves for the next five years and until 2023 is to try and get this process streamlined to be heard within 90 days. Now, that's in a perfect world. However, in reality, that is not the case. We've seen in practice that some applications can take up to 18 months to be resolved. 
So it, it, it really does need some work and there definitely has been, imp there have, there has been improvement from CSOS, but there's still much room for improvement to speed this process up. Mm -mm. You know, Oren, one of the, the things that I definitely want us to explore now is what some of the common um, matters CSOS would typically deal with. And to our viewers at home, I want to hear from you if you've ever had to use the services of CSOS. Uh, and if you have, how was the process? Um, you know, I think I, I first kind of had question marks about what CSOS is when I first got billed. Um, and seeing CSOS on, you know, my, my levy statement. And to be quite honest, for many months, I just wasn't quite clear what that amount was. It's, it's a very small amount, so I didn't read too much into it. And I think it was only as the months sort of slowly went by that I started asking, what, what is the CSOS that I see on my levy statement? What exactly is it that I'm paying for? And wanting to better understand um, what, what the money goes towards. So if you've at home ever used the services of CSOS, how was that experience like? Did you was it a smooth and seamless process? And perhaps show what the matter was that you know ultimately led you to use the services um, of CSOS. Now, Oren, perhaps then take us through what some of the common disputes um, that CSOS would deal with are. Okay, so the the first point to start off at is to understand that CSOS has a very limited jurisdiction. Um, its jurisdiction is created in terms of the CSOS Act to hear very specific matters. So it's not a it's not a free for all type um, platform where if you have a gripe with with the way that your neighbour is looking at you funny, uh, you you can't approach CSOS for that to 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 end. You have to file an application within one of the seven categories that the CSOS Act um, makes provision for, and your typical application. Would, would either be a financial um, application regarding, for instance, the uh, calculation of your levies. So if you believe that your levies are unreasonably high or you don't believe that the budget has been correctly um, prepared and approved, that's the type of thing that you can refer to CSOS for them to intervene and to investigate the matter and to determine whether or not they are in fact correctly um, levied. The other type of application that we, we typically see is um, with regards to meetings and specifically the inability to pass a resolution. So let's take, for instance, in a section of title scheme, in order to approve um, an improvement to common property or an alteration to common property, the section of title schemes management act make specific requirements for the types of approval needed. Um, so if it's a, 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 an improvement that's reasonably necessary, you, you could eventually require a special resolution. So if you as trustees want to, for instance, install um, electric fencing in your scheme to in increase security, you would have to go through the process as outlined in, in prescribed management rule 29 of, of, the, of the sectional title schemes management act. And as part of that process, you would need a special resolution. Now, if you get to the meeting and your members don't want to approve the special resolution because they don't want to incur the costs of the improvement, but you, you see a desperate need to have that improvement in, installed, the trustees can then approach CSOS for an order declaring that that resolution has been unreasonably rejected, or the proposal at least, and actually passing an order approving the, the um 
the, imp the improvement to common property. So that's a very useful tool that's used in practice quite often is overturning resolutions. Um, and then one of the, the other common ones is access to information. Um, so if an owner is trying to get the information of their fellow owners or they're trying to get information regarding to the history of, the, of their um, community schemes, finances, whatever, that's a typical um, application that can be made and, and an order can be granted requiring the association to actually grant you um, access to that information. We are at home taking your questions and comments this evening as we are exploring uh, the Community Scheme Ombud Service. I am in conversation with Orin Fred DeSantos, who is a founder and director at the advisory. Now, going to Facebook, we've got a question from one of our top fan gang members, Gateko um, Ahape, asking, maybe I should, can I report our body corporate for not holding AGMs? So that is a very good question. And it is one that happens often because, especially given the, the, the current climate that we find ourselves in with, with um, the lockdown, a lot of bodies corporate see that as an excuse not to hold their AGMs. Um, but the nice thing about CSOS is that Section 39.4a of the Act, for instance, gives you the right to approach the, the Ombud for an order requiring your, your community scheme to call an, an annual general meeting and to deal with specific business. So that's a very typical order that you can ask for and it falls within their jurisdiction to do that. Mm -mm -mm. So you can definitely approach CSOS, um, especially if you've spoken to, let's say, the trustees, uh, we've raised the matter with the managing agent asking when are we having our HEM and you're not getting any joy from them, then definitely do uh, go to CSOS and, um, you know, launch that application. And please keep us in touch. I actually want to hear how that one goes, because I think it's one of those things that uh, even pre-COVID, I know there are some community schemes that were not holding HEMs and communicating with different members. And so we are seeing quite a lot of that, um, which of course we shouldn't be seeing at all. So do keep us updated uh, with that one. We've got a comment here from Facebook. It's coming from Daniel uh, Van Donder, who says, currently busy with CSOS conciliation. Uh, the process so far has been faster than expected. My application is in alleged breach of PMR 29 by trustees. Um, I think, uh, Orion, perhaps what, what is, because I'm not actually aware of this one, what is PMR 29, if by any chance you, you know that particular yes. clause? Yeah. So we just happened to have discussed that a few minutes ago. PMR or prescribed management rule is a prescribed management rule in terms of which a body corporate um, is required to follow a specific procedure before making changes to the common property. Oh. So I'm assuming that the the um, viewer watching is ch is challenging a decision that the trustees have made to to make a change to their common property without engaging with the owners in the body corporate. So he's he's probably approached CSOS for an order um, declaring that that decision was invalid. For instance, now I'm quite glad to hear that he has had an, a good experience with the process so far. And I can report myself that in, in practice, at least this year so far, I've only had good experiences with CSOS. Um, I uh, submitted an application on behalf of a client in February, for instance, and 
we have already been asked to um, reply to the respondents' submissions as of today's date. So that entire process has taken a month, and the next step is conciliation, which hopefully will be quick. So, so it's, it seems to be um, an improvement, whereas in the past I have seen in practice that following the, the submission of an application, we wouldn't hear from CSOS for at least four months. So I'm pleasantly surprised and I'm glad to hear that the same can be true for your viewer. Now, you, you touched on this, Orion, a bit earlier on when you were talking about how things are going right now in the era of COVID. Perhaps just take us through how CSOS is doing things slightly differently. I'm also very glad to hear from Daniel that their matter has been dealt with you know, relatively quickly because one of the things that we've unfortunately picked up during COVID is that a lot of services are slower to get delivered. Uh, you know, various people working from home and sometimes don't really have resources at home, shifting who comes to the office, who doesn't. So there tends to be quite a lot of backlog. Um, and I think a lot of us kind of expect that things will take longer than they typically uh, need to take. So how has the, you know, I'll say the CSOS, particularly the dispute resolution uh, process been running right now during COVID, just so our viewers at home can almost um, mentally uh, adjust some of their expectations, perhaps, um, even though Daniel and yourself, as you're saying, have had uh, relatively fast processes, unfortunately, not everybody will, will experience that. Okay. So during during lockdown, um, when, when lockdown just started last year, CSOS um, issued a practice directive to to deal or regulate applications during during the national lockdown. And the, 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 the major takeaway from that um, process were, was twofold. Firstly, the turnaround times that parties had in which to respond to each other's submissions were quite were drastically reduced. So typically you would have 14 days in which to respond to an application. So if you're the respondent, you would be served the application by CSOS and you would be given 14 days to respond. But now during the lockdown period, you are only given seven days to respond. And um, again, with, with once the response has been served, the applicant is then given a much shorter time to, to submit his reply to those responses. So that process has been shortened. So that's the first point. And the second point, and the most important point, I believe, is that... In face-to-face -face hearings are obviously not held any, any longer for adjudication, so the Ombud has called for heads of arguments to be submitted. And I think this is a very important step, and, and parties should be aware of this point, because during a normal or a typical adjudication hearing, you are not entitled to legal representation. And that is, in most instances, a good thing, I think it's good that attorneys are excluded from that process or that the parties have an equal footing to deal with each other. However, there are specific instances in terms of which legal representation will not only benefit their own client, but will also benefit the adjudicator and the other party for clear and concise arguments to be laid forward. So therefore, getting an, an attorney to assist you to prepare or at least even or even to review your heads of arguments could be a good thing and it's very useful. And I would definitely consider that you do that, especially now that you are entitled to submit heads of arguments as opposed to appearing in person. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Oren, before we before I let you go this evening, I think to viewers at home, any final tip for them uh, when it comes to dealing with CSOs, particularly when it, uh, it it pertains to dispute resolutions? Yeah, I think the the best practical tip that I can give is do not panic when you if you are on the receiving end of a CSOs application. Now. I am often contacted by clients in, in a, a frenzy and or in a panic because they've now received this CSOS application and they are required to respond within seven days. And some of these CSOS applications ask for the, the, the craziest um, things and it's, it's, it's really impossible to respond in seven days. So I typically say to them that they just need to relax and they need to realize that it is a it's an it's a alternative dispute resolution process. They're not being dragged before the high court, for instance. So there is a bit of flexibility in its process and there is a bit of understanding and leniency from the ombud to know that they're dealing with laypersons. So if you require some time to digest an application and to respond there to, contact the case management officer that's been assigned to your case and ask for an extension to submit your written response so that you can formulate a, a, a well-thought-through response as opposed to just shooting off some sort of answer because you think that you have to reply within seven days. So that's my, my takeaway or my, my biggest point is don't panic when receiving these applications. Know that it's a process that you as a layperson are not expected to be able to respond to off the cuff and you can ask for extensions and you can ask for assistance. Mm-hmm. And that's a great place to leave it, uh, Oren. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's only a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Zama. And that is Oren uh, Fertitta Sanchez, who's a founder and director at the advisory. We're definitely going to bring him back on the show. It's always great talking property uh, with him. And to you at home, uh, I did say it's a Monday. So this later on this evening at 8 p.m., you can, of course, tune into the Home Shoppers show with Chad. So do make sure that you tune into that later on. And of course, later on in the week, I think one of the really great things that you're going to find is that we've got an incredible week uh, lined up, of course, of property. So do keep in touch with us on our social media platforms uh, to get in touch with some of the topics that, of course, we're going to be dealing with and go to our website on www.privateproperty.co.za if you want to get more property advice. You can go to our property, uh, to the advice section, rather, of the private property website. Well, that's it from me, Zamantungwa Kumalo, and the rest of the private property podcast team. We'll be back on your screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe.
Hi, I'm Clifton Smithers. I live in Belito, where my partners and I run a business called Union 3. As a family, we chose to move here about six years ago. What attracted us to the area was the safe and relaxed lifestyle of the North Coast. We're surrounded by so much natural beauty and we love that it's so casual. It's just not as intense as a busy city. In fact, that's one of the main reasons there's so many people moving into the area. There's some amazing lifestyle estates out here. We've got some Bali, Brettonwood Estate, and Zimbiti, to name a few. The Belito Lifestyle Center caters to everyone's needs. There's also some smaller commercial centers like Tiffany's in Salt Rock. There's some excellent restaurants to choose from, and there's a really wide variety of activities on offer. From mountain biking out on the trails to surfing at any one of the beaches, there really is something for everyone. This quiet little town really comes alive over the weekend. The live concerts in the farmer's market at the Lychee Orchard is very popular. With the new international airport just 15 minutes down the road and the unmatched lifestyle that this place offers, it's no wonder that the North Coast is the fastest growing town in South Africa. My family and I absolutely love each other, and this is our name.